Kia ora, and welcome back to the Chasing the Sun podcast with your host, Aaron Hodgson. For those that are tuning back in after last week's episode, a huge welcome back to you and I thank you to all the messages of support that have come out to me over the last week as well. Um, I count it a great blessing and privilege that a single person um, would even listen to what I have to say. So yeah, as we come to this week's episode and as you're listening, I really want to thank you for that support. But something I do want to just preface as uh, we get into more and more of these episodes is my words may be good at times, but my words will fail and they will fade and you'll forget about them over time. But God's word never will. It is always with you wherever you have your Bible. Now, wherever we have our phones, you can always read, understand, pray and seek God through his word. Yes, I hope that my podcast will be helpful and point to things in the Bible to help you in your walk in this race that we're trying to run as we chase the sun. But there's nothing quite like reading and studying and understanding the Bible for yourself. Seeking out time each week in silence and prayer and coming to the feet of the Father and just resting there with Him. So that's my little preface, but we're going to get into this week's episode. So last week we did a short summary of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. We then dove into a little bit of uh, who are the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. And we looked at chapter 11 and how there are all these amazing heroes of the faith from the Old Testament who the writer believes is kind of standing around or sitting in this Colosseum watching us as we run our race. Not as a means of to watch when we make mistakes and trip up and fall, but as a means of cheering us on. That they are there to say that, hey, we were not perfect, but we were faithful and we are cheering you on. Not necessarily to be perfect, but to be faithful. Faithful to God. In this episode, we're going to be getting into things that weigh us down. And so to start us off, I'm going to read through verses 1 and 2 again so we understand where we're coming from. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So like I said, as we come to this, we're going to be looking at these verses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And so today we just want to understand a little bit of what are those weights that might be weighing us down, that might be hindering us so that we cannot run this race and run this race well. Here are a few things that might weigh us down that we need to cast off. The first is stuff. We live in a consumeristic culture and world where Um, Sometimes we get our identity and our security and our purpose from is accumulating more things. Part of the reason that as young people we want to get jobs and work is so that I can buy my own stuff. More clothes, a better car, petrol for my car, the right shoes, the right phone, um, jewelry, all these kind of things. And we're just accumulating stuff. But if we can actually lay aside 
the desire to accumulate stuff, the easier it will be to run this race with Jesus. The second one is this, and I think it's distractions. We're now living in one of the most distracted generations of all time. And I say that as someone who is a very distracted person. And what I mean by that is, whenever there's a moment of silence, phones come out. Whenever we are driving in the car, we're listening to music. You might be listening to this podcast right now as you're driving in the car. But we're just listening to stuff all the time. We're scrolling through phones all the time. We're always finding things to distract us from silence, from being alone. And sometimes we have those distractions either because we're not good with boredom or because we can be scared of the thoughts inside our head. We can be scared of where our mind might go if we don't have those distractions in place. And, and now I'm speaking to you as someone who is on Facebook way too late at night or watching a movie or a show until I fall asleep. So I'm not speaking to you as someone who has eliminated distractions from my life, but someone who is still earnestly trying to lay aside this weight of distractions in my life. You know, it's video games, it's whatever it is that is in our life that is just distracting us from being able to fix our eyes on Jesus. The other one is people. And what I mean by this is not necessarily that people are weights that are laying us down. But it's our desire to please people. It's our desire to continue to have, uh, to do the right thing, to have the right friends in our life. That people can be a weight in our life because they're actually causing us to move our eyes off Jesus and onto them or onto other things in this world. And I know that for me, I've, I've grown up being very much a people pleaser and always wanting to say yes. And so what I can do is I can sacrifice my desire to follow Jesus so that people will like me. You know, so I might decide to, to not spend time with Jesus, to not go to church, uh, to not spend time with my Christian friends because, well, my non-Christian friends are doing something much cooler or what appears to be much cooler. And I'm going to chase after that instead. And so people can become a distraction or a weight that, that is weighing us down from being able to pursue Jesus with our lives. The next is busyness. And that kind of ties a bit into distractions. But we're now living in a time where we're just busy, 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 busy all the time. And, you know, I get to have the privilege of working with teenagers. And, um, and some of them will probably listen to this podcast. But seriously, I see so many of you guys who are going, you know, you, you're up and you've got training before school and then you've got school and then you've got training after school and then you've got work and then you're going home and you've got study to do and you, your lives are full of busyness. And when we have our lives full of busyness, we cannot pursue Jesus well. Because Jesus speaks to us and comes to us in quiet and in stillness. Now, he does come to us in storms. I'm not talking about like peace, like there's no problems going on in my life. But I'm meaning when we busy ourselves with things, we, we lose sight of Jesus. You know, most of the people listening to this podcast will be Christians. And, and I, you know, you're probably like me who has at times got to the end of the week and said, I was too busy to read my Bible. I was too busy to pray. I was too busy to, to, to earnestly spend time with Jesus. And if we're saying that at the end of the week, then that is a real issue. So busyness, people, distractions, social media, gaming, all those kind of things. And just the accumulation of stuff can be the weights and the things that weigh us down. The author of Hebrews is inviting us to lay aside the weights that will slow us down from pursuing Jesus. 
Jesus also offers us an invitation, which is similar. It's an invitation to come and rest, to come and find peace in him. But instead of a laying aside, it's a call to pick something up. And so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 11 and we're going to see what this invitation is that Jesus is inviting us into. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here Jesus is saying to us that the invitation to follow him leads to a life of rest because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, when the world offers us all that stuff, the perfect car, the perfect house, perfect phone, the right watch, the right clothes, it's offering to us an identity. It's offering to us purpose and it's offering to us security. The world is trying to sell you that if you buy these things from us, you will achieve that and you will get that. That you will receive identity by having the right things and having the right stuff in your life. That you will have security because, well, you're now secure because you've got the right stuff. And you have purpose where you get up and you go to work so that you can buy the right stuff. And so what they do is they speak to our desires and try and sell it to us in this way. But they, they're trying to sell it to us as if it's freedom. You know, every single car advertisement is like being able to like have freedom and, and get on the roads and, and drive wherever you want and drive whenever you want. You know, there's an um, ad I remember, I can't remember, I think it was from Mitsubishi or something. And, you know, they'd just gotten this new car and they called up their friends and said, hey, we're going on an adventure, we'll be around in five minutes. And these guys are like, woohoo, we'll get to go out in the Mitsubishi. But what they do is they drop their kids off and go out on an adventure. Freedom, right? This car will bring you freedom. This phone will bring you freedom. It'll bring you rest and peace and all these things in your life. That's what we offer you. But it's actually just offering us slavery. I don't know if you realize this, um, but we have freedom when we get our licenses. I heard someone talking about their daughter just getting a uh, their restricted license and kind of being a bit like, you know, hey, remember, it's a responsibility and, and it's a privilege to be able to be on the roads and all this kind of stuff. But I remember when I was a teenager, I was just like, choo-hoo. I remember the first the first day that I got my restricted license, um, I was like, uh, I was going to drive my mate home from school, right? Totally illegal, totally the wrong thing to do. Um, and I almost got caught out because my mum was waiting at the car because obviously she'd come into town with me in the morning Um and I thought she was getting a ride home or find her way back to the house. But obviously she waited around and chilled out in town all day waiting for me to be able to give her a ride home uh, from school. And so I showed up with my mate and I was like, oh, sweet mum, you're here. Now I can take my mate home. Um, and so getting my license was the sense of like getting freedom. But I was thinking about it the other day, actually, you're, you're not actually that free when you're in a car. Like I can drive wherever I want. But I can't because I have to still follow the road. I can't just drive in a straight line when I want to go home and see my parents. I have to follow the road. I have to go over the Kaimais. Um, you know, I have, to, I have to respect the road rules. I have to stop at the stop signs. I have to follow the, the speed limits. So it sells it to us like, hey, buy this car and you get to go in freedom and, have, and do whatever you want. But yeah, it's freedom, but it's limited freedom. And think about how <laughs> stressful it is to strive to, to earn all that kind of stuff. Jesus is inviting us that when we follow him, 
we will find rest because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, a yoke is a tool that was used on like an oxen or a cow um, to plow a field. For those that aren't familiar, plowing a field is when you break up the soil so you can put seed in and then that way the plants will grow and they will have food and crops to, to sell and barter with and trade so that they can get the things that they need for the for their life. There were single yokes which you'd put over an animal and then you'd attach the plow to it and, and you'd, the, the animal would pull the plow. Awesome, saves you pulling along yourself and, and I'm sure as I say that there's probably a few of you having a giggle about that word at the moment. But there's also a double yoke and that was with, used with two animals, right? And often what would happen is you'd have a well-trained oxen on one side um, who's done it for a long time, you know, a bit older, very strong, um, but knows what he's doing. You know, like you could blindfold him and he'd go out, walk a straight line, give him a tug, he'll turn around, go back the other way, and he can and he can do it the same way that he can breathe kind of thing. And then on the other side, you might have something, you know, a young stud, a little bit more wild, a little more, you know, trying to gain that freedom and run off and do kind of his own thing. So that attached the yoke to both of them and then the plow behind it. What would happen is this young oxen would be trying to break free and, and pull away and kind of do his own thing, but the old, the old head would stand firm and, and teach this young one how to walk the straight line and how to do his job well. Teachers in Jesus' day used the symbol of the yoke about following their teaching. It would be like them saying, come under my wing and I'll show you how to follow, or for, for the Jewish tradition is to follow the law of God and to live their lives like you like the teacher lives lives his life. And this was the invitation that was there. Another way to understand it that might be a bit more familiar with our language is like an apprenticeship. We finish school, we apply for apprenticeship, we go down to the local building, he says, yep, come on board and, and you can be an apprentice uh, in, in my building company and uh, I'll teach you everything that I know. And so every single day of the week or five days of the week, six days of the week, you'd go out and you'd go, oh, this is how you hold a hammer and you'd learn to hold a hammer and you'd learn to build things and, and you'd learn to use tools and you'd learn to make a house and, and whatever you need to do. Right? And all these things would be taught to you by watching the master or the boss and, and following in his footsteps. And so Jesus is saying that, take on my yoke and follow me. But Jesus' yoke was very different. It was easy and it was light. Meaning that he carries all the burden for us if we choose to follow now you might be asking, well, how is it that Jesus makes his, this burden easy and makes this burden light? The way that I see it is that he makes it easy and he makes it light because Jesus offers us the forgiveness of our sins. He takes away the things that separate us from a life fully restored to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the creator of the universe. And what happens when we put our trust in Jesus, the Father then calls us child, that we become a child of God. Now, as you hear this, that might not mean that much to you. Maybe you're somebody who grew up in a good family, and so being called a child of God kind of doesn't have that much meaning to you because, um, well, you know, I had a good family and I had good parents. Yeah, normal. It's it's normal to be to be a child of God. That that kind of you know, what else would it be? Maybe you didn't have such a good family growing up, and so when you hear you know to be called a child, for you that has negative connotations with it. That has a negative feeling. Like, but what is like? But who cares? Like, I'm not 
Like I'm not really a child. Like yeah, I'm like biologically I'm a child, but I'm not really part of a family, and and I don't feel like I'm part of my family. I don't really like them, whatever. And so it doesn't really have much meaning to you either. But let me kind of in a short way just explain to you what it means to be a child of God. Let's say that you're striving to find your identity, your purpose, and your security um, in this life by by the friends that you have. So this means that you normally have to act a certain way to be accepted by them. Uh, You have to uh, kind of do... So this means you normally have to act a certain way. You have to like the same things as them. Your life has to be somewhat compatible with them. Um, Often you have to live in the same area as them, right? You know, we... We generally have friends that might move away, but but that can cause uh, you know just a division to happen. It's not that we don't like them anymore, but we just don't see them anymore. And so you know, my identity and my purpose and security aren't found in my friends that that aren't don't live near me, but by the friends that I hang out with on a regular basis. And this is more so for my you know for high school and uni students who who spend most days of the week with your friends. But then what happens when um, you don't act a certain way and you mess up? Maybe they find out that, you know, you like that Justin Bieber song and your boy, and all the boys give you a pretty hard time for it or something like that. I don't know, maybe Justin Bieber's cooler now than when I was in school. Maybe you accidentally insult someone. Maybe you forget about a special day. Or maybe the worst thing of all is that you let your Snapchat streaks die. This might mean that your relationship with your friends become unstable. Maybe they even kind of shun you or cast you out of the group forever or for a short amount of time. So this will mean that at school or at uni, your place of identity, you know, oh, that's Aaron and, you know, those are Aaron's friends and that's where he belongs. He's with the sporty kids or whatever that is, you know, the cool kids or um, the drama kids or whatever that is. And your identity is lost because you're kind of wandering a little bit like by yourself. And so then you have to go striving to either work your way back into this group or to go find another group of friends that you can hang out with. And the cycle continues. I still have to look a certain way, I have to act a certain way, I have to believe and 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 like the same things as these people to, to, to be friends with them. Now I hope that your friendship circles aren't so exclusive like that, but this can be the problem with that. Maybe your identity comes from your performance, you know, either your school performance or your work performance. So when you're doing well, your confidence is high, your identity is like that person is a high achiever, your parents love it, your boss loves you, um, they, they're proud of you, you know, they praise you for everything you do, the world is right, and I'm going, yes, and, and my security is in that, because I go, well, if I can achieve well, then I can have a good life ahead of me, and I'm going to be doing amazing, and, and this is my purpose, is to, to be the best that I can be, but then you miss a deadline, you get sick, you fail a test, you let the team down, that sense of identity is gone, you're no longer that hardworking person anymore you're no longer the high achiever anymore your sense of security comes crashing down well is this job secure for me oh i failed i'm not i don't have that perfect excellence record at school anymore will i be able to get into that university and so when our identity is found in our school work or our um uh, or normal work well when we fail we lose that identity i feel like i've lost my purpose i feel worthless i feel useless i start to beat myself up So then what I do is I start striving to be better and I put sweat and toil to be better and to prove them wrong and to try and try and try. So what is driving me is 
that I'm going to be a high achiever. Or what's driving me is to be friends with a certain group of people. But when our identity is as a child of God, it just doesn't work that way. My identity as God's child does not change. I am now and forever will be a child of God. Because the sacrifice of Jesus, what he came to earth to achieve by dying on the cross for me, living the life that I could not live and dying the death that I should have died, means that he secured for eternity my place as a child of God in the family of God. I now belong to something greater than myself. I now have a purpose in my life to live as that child of God. But even though my purpose is now to live as that child of God, I am not defined by my performance. I'm not defined by my perfect attendance at church. I'm not defined by how few swear words I use in the week and how few lies that I tell. That does not define me as a child of God. The gift to us is what defines us and what how we can be invited into this relationship and be a child of God is that the perfect life of Jesus is what they say, what we say in the Bible is applied to me. That is, God sees me as perfectly as Jesus is perfect. Now, God's not stupid. He knows that we're sinners. Even as believers, he knows that we're sinners, but he does not treat us on the basis of our sin. So this leads us to freedom. This leads me to freedom. Freedom to try, try my best. And if I succeed, and if I am trying to be a better person and I achieve being a person, I say, thank God that his spirit is working and and doing things in me that I cannot do for myself. And then when I fail, when I fail, I'm going, awesome, I might be failing, but that does not take away who I am as a child of God. And so it brings freedom in my life to try. And if I succeed, glory to God. And if I fail, who cares? I learn from it. I move on. And and I can tell you, that as a pastor who's about to turn 30, I'm failing all the time. But God does not turn his back on me. He, does no, he doesn't go, uh, okay, today you're a child. Uh, you know what, today you didn't uh, spend that time with me. You're no longer a child. You know, God doesn't flip-flop on us. But the world does. One day I can be best friends and the next day, you know, they don't want to hang out with me anymore and there's nothing I can do about it. One day I'm achieving and succeeding at the highest level possible and the next day I'm sick and I can't do that. And all of a sudden the world turns its back on me because I'm not that high achiever. One day everyone loves me because I have the newest stuff, but I can't buy the newest stuff six months later because I bought the newest stuff six months ago and all of a sudden people don't want to hang out with me anymore. When our identity comes from the things that the world is selling us to find our identity in, money, power, success, and stuff, then the world just flip-flops us on us all the time because it changes every five minutes. But as a child of God, I'm free. I'm free from that striving. I don't have to wake up in the morning and go, crap, i got to live my life this way so that people like me. i got to live my life this way 
so that I can find my identity and security in this stuff. I have to get up and go to work so that I can buy more things so that people will think I'm cool. I gotta go to work to get more money so that I will have security for when I'm old. I have to go out and be as smart as I can so I can be as powerful as I can and I can use that so that people will love me. That I will have a sense of purpose in this world. I get up in the morning and I rest in the unchanging truth and fact that I am a child of God. And that whether I succeed or fail today, that will never change. It brings us so much freedom. This is what the writer of Hebrews is calling us to lay aside. The weight of the world that we are trying to carry. Jesus says, do not worry about the things of this world. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all that other stuff will be added to you. All that stuff will fall into its rightful place. But we rest in the unchanging grace of God. That who I am as a child of God is given to me as a very free and amazing gift. And what I mean by free is that it's free for me, but it was not free for God. For he had to give up his son in order to bring us back to him. So when the writer here is calling us to lay aside this weight, it is anything that tries to steal our identity, our purpose, and our security from being in Christ and Christ alone. That takes away our identity, purpose, and security from being a child of God. The weight that hinders and slows us down is The stuff that we buy, the distractions that we put in front of our face, power, money, success, people, even knowledge. Now these are not bad things, which is why they're not in the category of sin initially. They can become sin, but they're not initially. They're just things that can weigh us down if they're not in their rightful place. And that place is behind God. And what I mean by that is when my purpose, my identity, and my security is in Jesus, and I trust that I am a child of God, it means that I don't go to work striving to achieve more power over the people around me. But what I do is I take what God has given me to use to bless those around me. And so I don't sneakily try to get a promotion. I'm not trying to cheat on my tests and exams. It means that I don't have to be sneaky about getting stuff. I'm not concerned about lying to my parents to hide stuff or to try to get my way. Because my identity, who I am, my purpose, what I'm put on this place for, and my security is found as being a child of God. And so what we do is when we we lay aside those things by putting our faith, trust in Jesus and trusting him that when he says that you are a child of God, that that is 100% accurate and it's 100% all that I need and everything else will come and fall into its place. We're going to leave it there. In the next episode, we're going to look at some of the sin that easily entangles us. Thank you so much for tuning into the second episode 
of Chasing the Sun podcast. It's a real privilege to bring to you God's Word. I just want to remind you that uh, we're out there on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, If this is blessing you, I'd love to just hear it so that I can be encouraged. If there's things that are are being said in this podcast that are challenging you um, and you want prayer, reach out. But I would encourage you more to go and speak to um, you know, a Christian in your life who you look up to, whether that's a youth leader or a youth pastor or, or an elder or a pastor or, or key leader in your church, go and speak to them. Share with them how God's word has been challenging you and, uh, and seek prayer through that way as well. So my encouragement to you now, lay aside those weights. And this week, let's go chasing the sun. See you next time.